the Bohemian Rhapsody scene like hit a, like a new cultural level. It like revived that song and led to probably the absolute worst scene of the Bohemian Rhapsody movie, which is when which <laughs> not Alex, something you could bang your heads to. No, it was, it was Mike Myers as a record exec saying no one will ever bang their head to Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. I almost left the theater at that point. <laughs> Welcome to Idiot Block, a comedic podcast critiquing, discussing, and analyzing the media industry through reviews, debates, and historical deep dives. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Idiot Plot. I'm David Giannis, joined, as always, by my co-host, Alex Overdahl. It's like people only do things because they get paid. And Justin Neitzel. So, do you come to Milwaukee often? In today's episode, we're talking about a a seminal 90s classic. Uh, a, a true landmark in filmmaking that Gene Siskel called the eighth best movie in 1992. Um, very, very, very popular, but kind of <laughs> Divided in the modern times, I will say, doing research for this episode, I'm talking about Penelope Spheris' Wayne's World. Uh, we're we're going to talk about that um, get and, and kind of give our full thoughts and rundown of the of this 90s time capsule, you could probably say. But first, guys, it's been a while. Let's do some what we watched. OK, so who wants to go, 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 go first and share what we've been kind of watching the past almost right weeks to a month since you've done this? Yeah. I'll go. I watched um, TikTok. Tick boom because I was just curious because uh, I wanted because I know it wasn't voted for best picture but I was curious because I wanted to see how Andrew Garfield's performance compared to some of the other best uh, actor nominations I'm gonna go be honest I went into this movie like literally seeing like snippets of trailers of this I didn't know anything else about it but I was actually pleasantly surprised <laughs> and actually had a fun time I, I thought the songs were great and everything um, um, Andrew Garfield earns his best actor nomination I I believe of the ones I've seen of all the list, I think he's the front runner for me right now. Interesting. And I did not know this was uh, directed by Lin Manuel Miranda until the end of, yeah, until I, the end I of the didn't movie. For a while either. It just it didn't seem like his style, and it's just like he's a lot better when he's not in front and stage center of the movie. That's a very common opinion. That the, he's honestly, much yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about it. I'm honestly, I mean, you know, I me, mean, I don't really like musicals, but honestly, like I'm I'm not opposed to watching that one. I've because I've heard, you know, from people who I don't normally hear about musicals from, that it's really good. So I'm, I'm definitely see, interested. See, I'm with you. I'm not a big musical guy, but this, this kind of worked. It, they kind of, it's kind of like uh, Rocket Man, where it's kind of a fantasy okay. kind of retelling kind of thing, but done a little differently. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was really fun. Uh, it's not I just want... straight up where people just stop and break out and dance, or it is, but it's told through like he's putting out a play or whatever and te- like te- retelling his whole. This whole story yeah because i believe it's it's based off of like the unfinished play by jonathan larson who 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 did rent which is one of the biggest musicals of all time mm. um that that he never finished because he died before tick tick boom was was done and so they, 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 this is kind of a homage to jonathan larson in a lot of ways i wanted to watch it i did watch rent recently um to prepare to watch tick tick boom because I, I wanted to understand rent be before i watched tick tick boom Mm-hmm. Um, which which is not of America. Movie. I'm, I'm sure the rent play is fantastic. The movie adaptation is not great. Um, songs are okay. It's just it's it's a weird movie. Like it, it's ones where I feel like as a play it would work really well, but as a 
movie a lot of stuff just just doesn't work that great like like the, the, the energy's not there um you definitely feel the energy in this one which it okay that's because tick tick boom is like 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 you said it's not like the full stop you know show stopping musical it it seems i saw a clip on netflix of like this song that was about like couples therapy or something um oh yeah and and it cut to like the fake musical and then to real life like back and forth it was really it was really interesting from a filmmaking perspective mm-hmm. i will say the editing can be a little wonky at times but i mean and some of the subplots kind of they're a little on the nose and everything but i, I for going in i wasn't expecting anything i kind of really enjoyed it and for one who's not usually a big fan of musicals i was quite surprised and i really enjoyed the music it was very catchy and i'd been kind of humming some of the songs and i'm like damn it yeah I mean, I'm the same way. I'm not a big musical fan, but I found myself enjoying more musicals than I usually do. Like my wife made me watch Chicago recently, which I was I, I shockingly enjoyed. Chicago actually is a really like good satire. The, the, the songs are the worst part of it, in my opinion. But minus one, Soul Block Tango is amazing. But the rest kind of gets in the butt. I get. I take it that means that you would recommend Tick Tick Boom. Yes, I would. Are you Are you surprised then that it got snubbed for a best picture nomination um i can't say that now because i haven't seen all the other ones yet have you seen don't look up well yes (laughs) it's definitely better than that let's put it that way (laughs) i will say i like because it was one of the like don't look up seemed like it was gonna get in no matter what for some reason but like as far as the fringe ones there you know like nightmare alley was one of them i was a little surprised not necessarily like good bad way whatever i I was a little surprised that it didn't sneak in i thought it was gonna get one of the last couple spots Put it this way. It's like, I think it's a good movie. I don't think it's great by any. Okay. Okay. But but, but with this year, I mean, it could have snuck in. I would. I'm surprised Nightmare Alley got in because I I, I saw Nightmare Alley recently and it's not Del Toro's best work. It's not bad. I don't think it's best picture worthy. Um, It's too long. It's really slow. and, And the story doesn't really come together cohesively at the end. Um, See, I but, almost watched that instead of Tick, Tick, Boo, but for some reason I went with this. <laughs> it's, dude, the, the, this, this year's Oscar race is just weird. It, there's it just is, I really not, don't know what to expect. Yeah, there's there's lots of movies at, like, the same level. I haven't seen anything that, that really blew me away. Nothing like, showing really, what's peaking. Like, Nothing's like, like the clear winner. Well, like, like for, for me, Dune might still be my favorite of the nominees. It's that or Belfast. Yeah, I really, I really like. I really, really like both of them. But there's no way Dune's gonna win. No, Belfast might. Belfast is gaining steam. Oh. Alex, how about you? What do you have for us? Well, I watched the 1993 Clint Eastwood action, and well, more of a thriller film in the line of fire, oh. directed by Wolfgang Peterson. That's right. I knew Justin would react. That's right. If you want to see this, turn on cable in the middle of the day. <laughs> Which follows a an old Secret Service agent who was one of the uh, Secret Service agents protecting JFK when he was assassinated. And there's like a crazy like wannabe assassin like Zodiac or like Oswald type guy who's like a, he's just obsessed with killing the president and like but also has this weird obsession with the agent who was there. So he like keeps trying to call him and like they're trying to hunt him down. Um, I was drawn to it because Wolfgang Peterson directed Das Boot, which is like an all-time great film when he was still 
in Germany before he he started making Hollywood movies, and that's like one of the best war films ever. Highly recommend, like can't recommend that movie enough. It's so intense. This, um, it's a movie. <laughs> I mean, it feels like even more basic cable than you think it does, and it's not necessarily in the ways that you think because honestly, the main plot and especially the villain, the villain is fantastic. Like John Malkovich plays the uh, wannabe assassin, and this is like an absolutely amazing performance. He was up for an Oscar for it, and like he deserved that because he was incredible, and that character was really good. I don't know why it was up for Best Original Screenplay, because outside, uh, the main plot is good. The subplots are Awful. like <laughs> unwatchably <laughs> bad. You don't need exactly. to see... Exactly. Oh my god. You don't need to see Clint Eastwood trying to fall in love with some other female secret agent for some... He's like 30 years with, old, yo. Yeah, with, with the big Yeah, with that big is one cap. of the worst romance subplots I've seen in a movie. Like, I'm not exaggerating when I say in like a big movie, it is one of the worst and most out of place romance subplots I've ever seen. Well, and and like Clint Eastwood was probably old even back then because he's old yes. now. Yeah, he's well, like there's... yeah. There's literally a whole sequence about how he's like he's trying to catch the guy, so he like runs with the motorcade, but he's too old and he looks like he's gonna pass out, and they're worried about him. There's a movie with Anthony Hopkins and Chris Rock where it has the same subplot with Anthony Hopkins like <laughs> romancing a younger agent or a younger agent trying to get with him. But it's like this is the again one of the weird, why is we doing this guys this weird subplot does not and need like, to be in takes here takes over really like for a large part it's not just like a subplot for a while it really takes over the movie for a long time because the like the first act is really damn good it's really tense nothing's getting in the way it's really interesting it's all about john malkovich and it feels like all right like the tension is there now and then like the whole first half of the second act is dedicated to the romance subplot it just totally derails the tension then it ramps up a little bit and then it derails it the the end is okay um it's got some good moments but some of it is just too predictable some of it was really cool at the end but overall it's a it's a very mixed bag i i definitely expected more considering and the reviews at the time were like amazing and like the director is fantastic and the concept is great and it executes all of the things you would want it to but it's the other stuff that just completely drags it down so far yeah like you, the like relationship between uh clint eastwood and john belkovich is great it's just all the background stuff you're like we don't need this guys trim it trim it get rid of it we don't need yeah, it for me like i mean because I, I have it at a three out of five and like the main the a plot is like a four at least <laughs> but the well, rest this, is so bad this just sounds to me like it's a dirty hairy but secret service um kind of not quite because it does focus a lot more on the villain and like uh there's a lot more interaction with him and then it also has a terrible romance subplot for no reason which dirty harry avoids because <laughs> dirty harry is to me like the perfect example of how you do like a tension driven action movie like that Mm-hmm. where it's like there's like no fat on that movie right and this is what that's exactly the kind of thing I was hoping for with this and that's really how this movie should be it should be like an hour and a half with no fat and it's just about Clint Eastwood and John Malkovich yeah there's okay there's tw- like 23 years between Clint Eastwood and Rene Russo <laughs> I honestly thought it was more <laughs> watching this movie but I will say I mean John Malkovich like John Malkovich in this movie is ridiculously good John Malkovich as a creepy weirdo no <laughs> Oh, you know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's not like he only plays that in most of his movies, including when he played himself. <laughs> when you got something that works, just keep riding it. Yeah, I mean, he, he's a great actor. Like, like him in Red, like elevates that movie. Boy, him in Red, he is the reason to watch Red. I feel honestly, I feel like weirdly, I feel like about that about so much of John Malkovich's career. It's like, oh, he's in a mediocre movie, but he's really good. <laughs> no, look no further than Con Air. He's in an awful movie, but he like steals this show. It's because he's a truly fantastic actor. And, and now he's in Space Force, which honestly, he couldn't even save that for me. <laughs> I, I had to quit watching that. That show is bad. The one with uh, Steve Carell. Yeah. yeah Steve Carell and John Muggs, which are, are, are the leads of it. Um, and, and and they have like no chemistry. As much as I love Steve Carell and think he's amazing, he should not have been cast, at least in season one. I heard season two that they retooled quite a bit, but he, he was just not a good pick for that role. Is he more of the straight man kind of thing? No, it's him as a gruff military Michael Scott. It just it doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, he, he's sound played right. out of, yeah, that that just doesn't work. I mean, like he played out of type in like Foxcatcher, but that's like much different. And John Malkovich plays scientist John Malkovich. <laughs> anyway, for my pick, I'm gonna pick something that, that I watch it that's kind of bandwagoning right now. If you're if you're in the animation community, if not, you've probably never heard of it. But this is a giant show right now for people who enjoy animation, specifically adult animation, and that's Adult Swim's Smiling Friends. This is one of the funniest shows I have seen in a very long time. It's created by um, Psychic Pebbles, who's a who, who's an online mm, yeah, yeah. An, animator, hangs out with, with Chris O'Neill in the only in the only plays groups. Um, it, it's him and some other guy who does a lot more animation. I'm looking him up right here right quick because I was dumb and didn't have his pull up. Yeah, Zach Adel, Sergey Pebbles, and Michael Cusack, and it's it follows these the, the, these guys who are who are, who are for a nonprofit called Smiling Friends, who get called in to help people who need to smile and need to have their day improved. That that's the whole that, that's their whole charity, and it's so ridiculous. Like as you can imagine, it's Adult Swim, so it gets surreal, it gets weird. Looking but at images of this, and I, it looks like I need to be like on acid or something to watch this. It's not that. It's not that kind of show like you really have to come in expecting some weird shit but it's not full adult swim 3 a.m brain melting um it actually has what what makes it good to me is the fact that like anime economies have this weird thing now where they have to be depressing as hell and and be super existential. Yeah. Where 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 smiling friends just wants to be funny, make you laugh. Um. And, and it's very successful at that. There's a whole episode that makes fun of the old like animated Hobbit movies. There, <laughs> like like TV. Um. Wow. Yeah, I remember those. <laughs> like, there's a whole episode making fun of that. That's really funny. There's there. See, I I want to say some jokes, but I don't want to ruin like really good jokes. Um. So just my word for just how funny this show is. The animation is super creative. Sometimes it looks like a flash animated like web short, but then they'll throw in some stop motion animation, some 3D animation, some some live action. It is a crazy creative show. 
like like that that's the part that I can ask Chris enough is just how creative, inventive, and original that that this show is. It's just not a reboot from our childhood and been like, hey, we're giving you the old show that you used to like, but we're not bringing back any of the cast or the writers, and it's something completely <laughs> different. <laughs> just we have to accept the name. <laughs> no, no, this this is what animated shows like need to be. because it, it, it's just it's so it, it's so over the top. Because like the first episode, um, the the these two guys go in to make someone smile because they think he's sad, and and the first thing they do when they walk in, they see they see the, they see, they see the guy with a with a gun pointed to his own head. I'm like I'm like oh god oh god this is way past our past our level. We don't know what to do. Like it's it's that level of um Especially if you've seen anything with Psychic Pebbles and and Oni and G back in the day, like mm. you know what to expect. Love your song. <laughs> <laughs> and of course there's lots of cameos from other YouTubers. Um Mike Mike Stoklasa from Red Letter Media cameos in in the first episode. Tom Falp shows up. Uh Happy Harry, uh, uh Harry Partridge from Saturday Morning Watchmen and Irving the Socially Awkward B cameos. Um it and there's also lots of references. If anyone else here watches uh Oni Plage, there there's lots of references to that and a lot of the jokes they make um so it's so to me it's very rewarding but i think for other people that they'll still enjoy it just as much so yeah it's currently available to watch on adult swim on tv or hbo max for streaming i highly recommend it there's eight episodes they're 11 minutes each it's not a commitment i i really recommend this show it's really funny it'll put a smile on your on your face i wish i could say more about what happens in it but i really want people to experience the jokes for themselves all right so with that we're back to our movie pick series. Um, this week is my pick, and I chose a movie that is a, a classic in my household growing up. It's the 1992 SNL adaptation, Wayne's World. Uh, for the uninitiated, Wayne's World is an adaptation of an SNL sketch that always aired at the end of uh, of the night when they, when they, when they, whenever they, they, they were kind of getting ready to wrap up and how much, and, and, and to kill whatever much time they had left for the live show, they, they just do Wayne's World and, and let them kind of kill time but it's, it quickly became what was that some vamp base, base, basically and it quickly became like the most popular sketch on the show mostly because Mike Myers and Dana Carvey's performance as the characters Wayne Campbell and Garth were were really good and the two had amazing chemistry and so they got offered to do a movie based off the the, the characters which you would you you would think right away would be just a quick cheap cash in but they actually tried to make it a movie and the result to me is a really subversive self-aware commentary on 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 commercial cash ins and and the reason why I picked this movie is one meta filmmaking is such a big thing now. Space Jam, <laughs> but that's Space Jam, right? Chippendale Rescue Rangers is another one. Like there's so, Ready Player One. There's there's just mm-hmm. so much meta stuff. Well, even, even like Deadpool. Right? Even Marvel's getting into that nowadays. Yeah, yeah, and, st- and stuff like Deadpool, Deadpool Two, where they you know break the fourth wall and talk to the camera. It's very popular. And Wayne's World did it. Can't really say first because I can't prove that it was the first one to really do it. 
but but it, but it, but it did it right in the way a lot of movies currently use it. Um, but also, I think a big struggle that filmmakers and media execs recently have is speaking to the current generation of young people and and finding a movie that actually like speaks to them on on deeper levels. And, and I think Wayne's World, in a lot of ways, is that movie for that generation. I think mm-hmm. it, it tapped into an essence of the '90s that. In a lot of ways, I will admit, dates the movie. Um, a lot of the jokes haven't aged super great, but there's a joy to it that, that that I really gravitated to, even as a kid. But before I go even further into my my deep Criterion booklet level analysis of fucking Wayne's World, <laughs> I'm curious what you 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 guys thought on it. Because I think it was your first time watching it for both of you. Yeah, yeah, I'd never seen it. Yeah, I've seen clips of it here and there. Well, everyone knows about the Bohemian Rhapsody bit. Well, yeah, head. they they had like a commercial. Go- for like a year of that stuff. So. Yeah, well, which I had never. Was... I honestly, that's the funny thing. That's the, I actually did not know about that bit. I don't know. Really? How. Yeah, no. I I did not, but I knew about like the advertising one, and somehow I had seen the the music video shoot scene. Interesting. Um, that's that. That's a random I would see it on occasionally yeah. because it's big. It, it, like my parents like it a lot, so like you know, I've seen it on. I've just never sat down and watched it until well, now. Well, he mean raps seen like hit a, like a new cultural level it like revived that song and led to probably the absolute worst scene of the bohemian rhapsody movie which is when which <laughs> that's something you could bang your heads to no it was, it was mike myers as a record exec saying no one will ever bang their head to bohemian rhapsody yeah i almost left the theater at that point <laughs> i almost it was, it was so i almost painful. I almost did too, but I was, that was more of, I was getting sick from the editing. So (laughs) (laughs) anyway, what's your guys' thoughts on it? I want, I want to hear your thoughts. Well, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) (laughs) see that that's not a great start. That makes it sound like I thought it was bad. And I don't, I think, I think it's a decent movie. I don't think I get where the appeal comes from. Like it is very, um, that's what I'm looking for. Fuck. Um, it's it's like a very clear picture of its era. Like, it's super 90s for better and for worse it's a time capsule like you said I, I would definitely call it that because like it's very much like wow like this is how the 90s kids memes see the 90s <laughs> definitely, definitely it's that. this right here and all the people who are like oh remember this I'm so 90s like that's this however what helps it is like you said that it's so genuine like it's not just trying to do that or like milk on that it's like no it's just like very genuine genuine and the characters are very genuine i think some of the bits don't quite land or a little too silly some of them just are perfect especially yeah when anytime it's commentating on like the sponsorship stuff and that kind of thing like that stuff's all great or like just like the tv stuff that's all great i do think it's there are about six too many music videos in this movie yeah which was a 90s thing although although the alice cooper bit did lead to my probably, probably my favorite part of the whole movie which is Alice Cooper talking about Milwaukee. 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 This guy's going to party for what? 
<laughs> yeah, that was right. That was another, one of the really funny bits. So to me, like there are multiple bits that are really funny. It's not to me necessarily as consistently funny because not all of them worked for me, but the bits that did work worked really well. I agree with everything you said, Alex. <laughs> I, I, I am with you on that. It's like the things that worked were great. And there was things that I just, it didn't really work for me, but I mean, I, I liked the movie. I can't say like I loved it or I hated it. Like I thought it was a good movie, but I'm like not super high on it. I don't know if it's just this being the first time I seeing it, how old I am or anything or. Yeah. That's the one thing. Like if I'd seen it earlier, because like obviously there are people who saw it at the time or if I saw it earlier and might have that kind of special effect for me having seen it now this much later, I'm not nearly as high and not that it's a bad movie or anything. It's just like, yeah, I'm kind of somewhere in the middle on it. I, mean, I feel I like this is like, the first time I've ever heard the words. I agree with everything you just said, Alex, on this show. <laughs> you know, that's why I'm here. I'm here to unite. I'm, 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 I'm about to, 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 to academically give you the people's elbow, but... That's fine. <laughs> but yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad I could bring you guys t- to, to together. No, no, I think the points that you guys gave are, are, are very fair. And, and I think doing the research I have, how high you are in the movie seems to be how willing you are to forgive the, the dated bits. Mm-hmm. Like that, 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 that's a trend that, that I noticed. See, now had I've seen this when I was younger in the nineties, maybe I wouldn't, I'd probably like it more considering I'd probably accept it and be like, Oh yeah. Cause that's how it is nowadays. Now it's just like, man, that's nineties. is like 30 years ago. See, <gasps> and, and, and that's an interesting way that you guys looked at it. Cause I guess for me, when I watch it, even as a kid, I didn't really pick up on the nineties bits and I instead more focused on the meta bits like that. That's more what I gravitated to and focused on was was how it took film structure and messed with it. So I think that's just kind of interesting on how people watch movies and what they pick up on and how everything is different. Um, yeah, most of the, and to me, most of the, the meta stuff worked really well. I do think for me, like, I'm sure there are going to be lots of people that also disagree. I think the end was a little much in that, like, the movie doesn't really have an ending because it does, like, five meta bits. I would... I would agree, but I also do love it. Like it's funny. But I they wish are there was funny. a concrete ending, but it is funny to me well, that, that 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 I agree. I agree that I mean I, that was a little weird at the end, but I also enjoyed it because it was like, oh, we're not going for the Hollywood ending where it's everything is good. We went first. We went like, oh, you're not good enough. Try harder next time. And it's like, wait, we're doing, we're going to the dark <laughs> ending. Wait, let's go back. Let's just go redo one. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, that that was fun. I mean, I, mean, I enjoyed that. Well, and how it like makes fun of itself, like the part two that always Ed O'Neill's cameo in this movie does not get enough credit. <laughs> when his <laughs> character good. steals the camera and starts doing the narration, talking about murdering for passion, <laughs> I I die laughing every time. It's oh, so stupid. I did it's too. So, I was disappointed he wasn't in it more. I, I wish. He, well, if he was a bigger name, because he wasn't really a big name at this point. If he was a bigger name, I think he would have had more of a role in it. Isn't Mary? with children going on at this point though yes but it wasn't as big as it is now married with children wasn't really a hit until like season like five or six okay so that he'd be just descending right about then yeah then. yeah yeah he'd be he'd be, he, he, he'd be rising up um yeah. and i'll be the first to admit to that, that some of the jokes have not aged super great yeah ones that have have <laughs> aged really well um i mean the 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 the, the, the rhapsody bit is iconic but that whole stretch of the movie is just when winner after winner after winner joke wise like if you're gonna 
spew spew into this and into the, the tiny cup um <laughs> or, or or even with the bohemian rhapsody bit when there's a clear scene that i mean i i've done all the research because i have the dvd and that comes behind us died documentary the fact that dana carvey didn't know the, the lyrics to bohemian rhapsody and watch the movie it's very clear he doesn't know what he's saying and is just trying to like oh, i literally it. thought that was like part of the joke <laughs> no, no it was not intentional probably part of the, the joke well, <laughs> he just didn't know the lyrics see, and they I, kept it I, see I took that more as his like because how is he talked I figured that was just how it was or whatever oh no that was just him not that was the, the, that was this film being an experiment um because Penelope, Penelope Spirits did rock documentaries this is like her first like big movie so so it was she was experimenting Mike Myers was on the come up which sadly this movie supposedly destroyed his working relationship with Dana Carvey for a while they did this in wayne's world too um because mike myers was kind of a dictator but <laughs> and i had just decided to play all the characters and yeah, awesome that, powers. <laughs> but but you see you you, you get a lot of genuine moments like that like the other like 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 one of my favorite jokes of the movie was ad lib and 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 that's did you ever find bugs bunny attractive when you dress up as a girl bunny <laughs> I, mike actually, myers I, I, I was hoping like i forgot to look it up after but i was hoping that that was improv when i watched it i'm like that's gotta be i really hope it is like mike myers laughing was his genuine reaction yeah uh, reading that watching that i was like that's definitely improv like like that's big because you you, you, can you get carvey laughing when mike myers is laughing and it's such a funny (laughs) bit too well and it's and because it's such a genuine laugh from mike myers it's like okay yeah that's gonna definitely be it yeah that's what i was thinking too because 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 he wasn't laughing in character no he was like literally (laughs) laughing as himself because and then and that's such and that's one of those jokes that I'm honestly pissed that this movie made because I wish I came up with it <laughs> like beforehand. Did that's you such ever find a Bugs joke. Bunny attractive as a child? Tears <laughs> later, Warner Brothers. We should use that. Space Jam. Not for the point, but but I guess to me, what speaks this movie's it's spoke to my parents' generation definitely. I mean, my dad around the time this movie came out looked like Wayne. He, he had long hair like that and and wore hats like that like he has in the movie um but honestly looking back so much dated but like i mean we we kind of justin especially when me they live together we kind of live the wayne's world life yeah like in a lot of ways that this movie is like very 90s it's you know and swing and shit like that but but like we drove around we jammed out to music we went to not a donut shop but we went to mcdonald's and stuff late at night mm-hmm. and and we didn't and stop did at stuff. a guitar store but we stopped at like comic book shops or walmart walmart at midnight for the cheap movie bin <laughs> Walking around campus, yeah, like like there, there's a genuine feeling to it, um, especially with its rags to riches story that I haven't even mentioned yet, where it's about their, it's about this public access show, Wayne's World, they and they and they get opportunity from a evil, you, you could say, TV producer played by Rob Lowe, who who makes them faint, makes them rich, kind of, but turns the show into in, into a red into a corporate sellout show, which is weird because it's basically commenting on the movie itself. It's this really like bizarre, like four four D meta commentary on the movie, making fun of the movie that the movie actually is. <laughs> 
Um, but everyone kind of wants that, right? Like in a lot of ways, really, really speaking, Wayne's World predicted like the rise of the modern YouTuber in almost like a weird like network way, like in like the dystopian way, sort of. Because in the movie, they you know re- reject the consumerism. But now if you go on YouTube, you, you, you see some small YouTuber making really good content. And then two weeks later, you watch a new, new video and you're hit with a two minute ad for Raid Shadow Legends or Manscaped. <laughs> Maybe that can happen to this show. <laughs> Maybe. We will bow to no sponsors. But the thing, but the thing right? Like, like, like we are doing Wayne's World right now in a sense. Yeah. Um, Not entirely. No, we're not. It'd be fun if we could. But I, I think there are a lot of people that want to live that Wayne's World life. And YouTube kind of let it happen, but not in the way Wayne's... I mean, you, you, YouTube is Wayne's World in, in the Wayne's World dark ending. <laughs> in, the, in the bad ending of Wayne's World. Sorry, kid. You're just not good enough. Which, and like I said, I respect your your, your guys' opinions. Like, um, I didn't really pick this movie because I expect you guys to love it. I picked it because I love it. Um, and, I, and I wanted to share it and talk about, like, how it predicted shit in, in the meta commentary of it. And how, and how it actually uses meta commentary right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's I, to me, that's the, like I said, the ending. Like, you know, I, I definitely get the appeal of it and it was funny. But for sure, the, the rest of the meta commentary in the movie for me was like the best stuff like that's really when it was rolling and it's best obviously there's the one fa- you know obviously very famous sponsorship scene but there are lots of other scenes where it's doing really great meta commentary so how it like switches narration like 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 and how like seamlessly does it too because like the one scene when they're in Rob Lowe's apartment and you have at one point the cameras with with Wayne Tia Carey and Rob Lowe but there's another character that's with Garth snooping through this guy's apartment as he's that looking really for, for reasons to not like him. Well, that was the one fun part, like, at the beginning with Ed O'Neill's character where the camera was just following him. And then you got my, uh, Mike Mario's character just come up like, hey, who said you could talk to the camera? <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or at one point, Wayne's complaining and the camera just leaves him. He's like, no, 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 wait. Yeah, he's like, no, me. come back, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the movie is like, yeah, I'm done with you, which, which, is, which is really bizarre. And then you get, like, some references, like he references to Laverne and Shirley with stuff, which which I think just adds to the fun factor, whether or not it really makes a ton of sense. The 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 T two cameo, <laughs> which is which is which is so random but so funny. Yeah, uh, or when they're playing hockey in the street, they're like car. That that would be the most genuine part in the whole movie. Just <laughs> playing sports in the street in car. I will say if there is as if there is one part that to me hasn't aged the greatest as much as psycho hose beast has become such a damn good quote the 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 crazy act storyline has not aged great (laughs) (laughs) it might be the weakest part of the movie from to me from 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 a narrative perspective well especially when she pulls the whole pregnant car like (laughs) well that's good that's the bad ending it's it's wayne's worst possible ending which is he loses um he 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 loses cassandra and stacy's pregnant i mean and the gun rack bit's kind of funny but <laughs> and like I said Psycho Hose Beast is a really good quote that I hear a lot but that 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 part that part in the Claudia Schiffer bit are like oh okay yeah but I think, and you, you kind of, we kind of mentioned
mentioned it briefly where like the the narration like the narrator like walks away from him that's like and that's like kind of the low point in the movie I will say one one thing this did that I think all of my favorite comedies do at least comedies that you know don't have like a series a very heavy dramatic component is that it makes jokes through the low point because too many comedies have that moment where there's no comedy for a solid 10 to 15 minutes yeah yeah you know you're right <laughs> it, it happens way too often now again if it's like a serious if it's like a movie that has comedy but is more about like the drama or like I mean, these aren't that common but like an actually good rom-com that's like okay like you know you can get a little bit of time here because you've actually built up that storyline well enough but even then I, it's a lot of times better with the jokes in it like this was a great example of that where like everything's falling apart but like you know they get the the fourth wall breaking joke in there and there are a few other ones that were really funny during that the whole time really There's, so it never stopped making jokes because i think that's i think the low point is is when wayne goes to make up with garth garth is in the donut shop murdering a donut man <laughs> um go re 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 doing the psycho noises <laughs> and yeah he like he has this fight with vanessa which i mean fuck i kept making that mistake Sandra. in my head too cassandra i'm thinking about austin powers but um <laughs> yeah where cassandra that's like the one scene that really doesn't have any jokes in it. and then right after that it's making jokes again which but i think my favorite need? example like the the jump street movies the recent ones did that and like i think this does that really well of just like keep making jokes well i agree with you too many look there are those movies at the low points just get really really just get rid of the jokes and i feel like in a lot of ways you're taking yourself a little bit too seriously sometimes when, when you do that mm-hmm. i mean if there were if there were jokes in wayne's fight with cassandra yeah that would kind of ruin that scene right especially because that, that scene, it's very well, especially because that scene is wayne accusing her of cheating basically mm-hmm. and you want to play that straight but then and, but even like like when wayne and garth break up after the show after wayne gets fired from the show they're fighting but there's that scene where, where the plane goes over them and you can't hear garth saying very horrible things <laughs> <laughs> until the very end which I, I do want to comment on that too when they when they go to, to the professional TV setting somebody who works or at least I guess I don't really anymore but I worked in a TV studio for so many years and the scene where they're counting them down now is so much funnier to me as a kid when, the, when, they're, when, they're, when they're learning the account from 5 to 4 to 3 to 2 to 1 that <laughs> That 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 was so much funnier to me now, and just the whole working in, in a studio environment part of it. You have like all the, like Wayne's entourage; it's all a bunch of like heavy metal looking dudes, <laughs> and they like control the cameras and shit. You didn't say <laughs> just work it up. You didn't say two or one. Well, you don't say two or one. Why not? Because you don't. <laughs> Wait, you just don't. Wait, Wayne Garth, I see you guys not nodding. No, don't nod. Just stand there. Don't mouth the numbers. It's always fun to see Kurt Fuller in a movie. Kurt, Kurt, Kurt Fuller is such a unappreciated comedic guy. He's so funny and just does not get and He's hilarious in this movie, too. What does he say at the happy, happy ending? Uh, I learned that 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 there's nothing wrong with platonic love between two men. And <laughs> he's a very good good at being the smart guy, but also saying the dumb thing at the wrong at the right moment. Benjamin, Benjamin's my a friend if Benjamin were ice cream flavor he'd be pralines and dick <laughs> <laughs> well 
and then again, the scene where he's just driving together. I love you, man. <laughs> Thanks. Which, and I feel like the I love you, man joke came from just a bit when they were just vamping off off camera. And, and that guy was fine. It's like, hey, let's give this guy a scene where he goes, I love you. <laughs> just say thank you. There's so many just good jokes with this movie that especially the ones that the plan film format, like the one, too, that we haven't talked about yet that I really want to, which is the Chris Farley cameo as the security guard where he just delivers a whole bunch of exposition. Seems like <laughs> that stuff will be important later. Yeah, the film just acknowledges that, yeah, we're just dumping this out here. We really don't care. <laughs> then later it's like, well, it was a good thing that security guard gave us all that pertinent information. Like, it's so stupid but doesn't take itself seriously, which I think, to me, is one of the biggest problems with something like Deadpool is that Deadpool, although really funny, takes itself, in my opinion, way too seriously. Asthma commentary. Mm. Like it tries like, to force it in too much. Well, yeah, especially in the movies. Like, like I I don't know if it's the minority opinion to think Deadpool 2 is better than Deadpool 1. Um, I I certainly do. But like, yeah, I, th- I think a lot of, yeah, I feel like the first one is definitely more popular, but I think I the first one's it. a better movie, but the second one has a lot more fun and like like I'm crying in my seat laughing so hard moments. Yeah. Well, well, see, for me, Deadpool 1 tries too hard to be meta. Mm-hmm. Like, it does it, does it too often or de- it doesn't feel like organic and normal and something like, like Wayne's World or another example, Emperor's New Groove. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, a fantastic. Be, because it, it's not like Wayne's World's always meta. It's not like they're always commenting on what's happening. It, it happens quite a bit, but I, I think it doesn't overstay its welcome. See, I think Deadpool wouldn't be that way if he also, like, when he talks to the camera, it'd be fine, but then he also throws out all the meta jokes, like calling for which both Xavier's or whatever. Maybe it's just a little too much in Deadpool. Well, Deadpool also just needed more money, so it didn't have to constantly rely on the meta humor. You could actually yeah. have action sequences and not, and, and not write out why why Deadpool only has eight bullets in his gun or, or whatever that, 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 that bit was. And make it act like it's because he forgot and not because they couldn't afford to have a bunch of guns in the movie. Uh-huh. And, and I guess to me, like, like so, so the, the Deadpool is super meta. Space Jam 2 is really meta. Uh, I, it's not out yet, but Chippendale Rescue Rangers looks really meta. And the and, and Wayne's World, I think, is an example of how you do meta, meta, right? So is Who Framed Roger Rabbit. But I don't know. These new popular-ish meta movies just aren't doing it for me, at least as a whole. I mean, I, I enjoyed the first Deadpool movie, even though I'm not the biggest fan of it. And I enjoyed Ready Player One, even though I don't think it's amazing. But I, I don't know. It's a, it's a trend I'm not the biggest fan of. Mm. I think. Yeah, I agree because you kind of have to do something with it. I think well, a lot of them get meta in the corporate sense, mm-hmm. where and it's. I, and I think that's where it gets it wrong nowadays. Is it's too busy trying to pr- promote something else, where this yeah. one just felt organic, where they were just they were talking to you like you were a character that just joined their friend group or whatever kind of thing. It's synergy disguised as meta commentary in a lot of cases, and this one isn't. And also, it, it doesn't like explain why the camera's talking to you, which is cool, be- or, or they're talking to the camera, because they don't need to, right? Mm-hmm. You, you just kind of accept it. And it's in- and which is interesting because, you know, how do you take an SNL sketch that's 10 minutes each and make it into a feature-length movie? And and they found a way. And, and unfortunately, this movie is what caused the stretch of SNL sketch <laughs> movies that were just not good. <laughs> like, the, the, the like Wayne's World and Blues Brothers are like the best examples.
examples of the SNL adaptation. Most are not good. Um, I'm trying to think of here we go. Here's the list of SNL feature films. Blue Brothers was the first, but afterwards you had Wayne's World, Coneheads, Wayne's World 2, It's Pat, Stuart Saves His Family, Blue Brothers 2000, Night at the Roxbury Superstar, The Ladies Man, and McGruber. Most of those are really bad. McGruber <laughs> is a is a um cult classic now. Yeah, that's become that's become really popular. That's what I guess. because I've heard some good things about it. But Coneheads, it's Pat, I'm pretty sure has a zero percent Rotten Tomatoes score. Um, <laughs> Stuart saves his family is right there with it. Like like they're just bad movies. And part of it is is you with Wayne's World you had a director in Penelope Spheris who was willing to try and make something subversive and a little bit unconventional, which is why she fought with Mike Myers so much. Because she didn't want to make just a movie. She wanted to make something that spoke to young people, but was also like kind of like self-aware and making fun of itself a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Which is why the movie works. I, I don't think it, it would work had it tried had it gone and tried to be, you know, Coneheads or any other just, just normal three-act structure movie. Kind of like what Wayne's World 2 is. Because Wayne's World 2, I've not seen the whole thing of. It's not good. Like, like no one likes Wayne's World 2. Mostly because it takes itself way too Yeah, and also, yeah, I don't really know why. I mean, besides money. <laughs> why it's a movie that would have a sequel. Well, I mean, money was the big one. But I think also part of it was um, was Mike Myers wanted, wanted more creative control with it. And Wayne's World 2, it, it, it has decent reviews. It has at 61% Rotten Tomatoes score. But, like, my parents hate it. It's like, like diehard fans of the first movie just don't like Wayne's World 2. So maybe we'll like guess- Alex. <laughs> <laughs> well, I... I think, it has, I think it has all the, the the same issues of Wayne's World One, but I think what keeps it from being dirt like dirt bottom is the fact that Mike Myers and Anna Carvey are just so good as the characters. Well, that was the other thing about this movie was like I just keep thinking about that quote. Was it from Mike Myers or Dana Carvey? It was like we're just like thirty year old dudes dressed up with a bunch of makeup on or whatever. Well, and that I guess that's the saddest thing about Wayne's World is what ended up happening to it. Where you have those. Grub was it was it Grubhub? Yeah, that had the ads for the Super Bowl where they, yeah. where they came back as as their characters and did basically the the whole uh, making fun of sponsorship ads unironically and it's like oh this is really sad. and then Cardi B shows up for some reason yeah it was Grubhub it looks like or Uber Eats oh okay so it was Uber Eats which was a terrible commercial a terrible ad mostly because because it butchered one of the, one one of the best scenes in the movie but by, by just doing it unironically and just throwing cardi b in there for no goddamn reason <laughs> what really speaks to the audit kids nowadays cardi b and Wayne's all right kids kids love mike myers <laughs> yeah they love He's the love guru <laughs> i mean mike myers is an interesting story right like dude was on top of the world and then he made love guru and disappeared overnight <laughs> Well, it's like he go- never existed at that point. <laughs> it kind of probably shows that he probably was not the best person to work with on set. And then oh, once he was, yeah. and, once, and once they had a reason to like ditch him, they ditch him. They're like, oh, oh look, totally Love Guru bad. failed. Bye. Well, because like pe- not, 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 not a lot of people know the only reason why the Cat in the Hat movie exists is because they're going to do another SNL adaptation of one of Myers' other characters, but he didn't want to do it. And so, so he just 
just refused to act in the movie for Universal. Universal sued him and said you have it, he was ordered by by a court they had a star in one movie for Universal per his contract and so they picked Cat in the Hat. The Cat in the Hat was was court ordered. He's <laughs> <Dude's> doing time. <laughs> Basically, yeah, it was a jail sentence. Which I mean, as a kid, I liked that movie, but I I I, I don't want to watch it now. <laughs> well, you don't. Uh, are, are, are you talking from an experience? I, I caught it somewhere, whatever. I caught like a scene and I was like, this is really bad. <laughs> so which movie? The cat Cat-Hat. Hat. Okay, because I was going to say, I've seen Love Guru. I mean, Love Guru, too. I've seen large portions of because I couldn't <laughs> watch the whole thing. It's absolutely terrible. Yeah, it's a, it's a horrible movie. Um, it, that's a little hockey, right? Justin Timberlake's in it. Yep, and uh, the guy who played Vern Troyer's in it. Mm-hmm. Tim, uh, Jessica Simpson. Jessica Alba. Gross. Ben Kingsley. <laughs> That's right. Well, for I think Meyer's made enough money from Shrek where he's fine. Well, aren't they rebooting that too? <laughs> Eventually, but who knows if he's a part of it. It's weird learning later that that was originally supposed to be uh, Chris Farley. Yep, and then it was supposed to be Mike Myers in normal voice. And then he said, you know what, I'm going to redo this with a Scottish accent. It made them redo the whole movie. <laughs> and now if you go Google Mike Myers now, he turned into Steve Martin. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. Oh, jeez. <laughs> he doesn't even look like Mike Myers anymore. And did you guys watch the gong show that he did? No, I've heard about it. I think I've seen we, clips we, of it or whatever. Where he, he pretended to be a British comedian named Tommy Myland. <laughs> and, and like ABC basically pretended that it wasn't Mike Myers for like over a year. I got into a fight with my parents because I because my because I was like, oh my god, that it's Mike Myers. And like, no, the thing is, it's Tommy Myland. It's like that's freaking Mike Myers. <laughs> I, I just Google Tommy Myland, and 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 it's not. It's, he's not a person. <laughs> I don't know why Mike Myers to be someone else. That's that. That's really freaking weird and stupid. <laughs> yeah, he's either pretending to be someone else or making like random surprise cameos or bit roles, like being in Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> Or or Bohemian Rhapsody, where he just yeah. poo-poo's on one of his greatest works. Isn't he, like, or doing documentaries or whatever? Yeah, he's done a lot of producing work. Yeah, he did a documentary called Super Mensch that's supposed to be really good, actually. I think... I think part of it is he, is he just made so much money that he can kind of be forced into retirement and be okay. Because of it, I think he took a back-end deal for Shrek. Probably like, I don't need to do nothing anymore. I'm tired of putting on the weird makeup and playing 12 different characters in one movie. <laughs> there was a point in time where I kind of wished Michael Myers would be a Batman villain. I think he almost was at one. I'm pretty sure he was almost Riddler at some point. But now it's probably way too too late for him. Again, he, he seems to just disappear like you said into bit roles and weird cameos where everyone goes oh my god it's Mike Myers and now until right they the get wind of him Myers. if he's cast in a Batman movie now they're gonna be like is Mike Myers the Joker <laughs> <laughs> here's 10 reasons why Mike Myers is the Joker here's Along some fan and in reality Mike Myers is just some dude named like Steve who's just some like random like politician <laughs> 
I'm going to think of what villain he could play. When he was younger, probably Riddler. Now, I don't know, Penguin, he's kind of big enough. But Colin Farrell looks like he's... I mean, Colin Farrell's kind of in Mike Myers' makeup. Yeah, he's, he's in a Mike Myers suit. <laughs> it's kind of what it looks like a little bit. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't like that. Although, the real person who disappeared from Wayne's world is Dana Carvey. Mm. What about Master of Disguise? What about it? <laughs> I want to be your best of disguise. This is what you're doing? That's what I want you to do. You just tell me to shut up? (laughs) The worst movie that we can all quote half of. (laughs) I'm only quoting shit from the trailer. Are you not turtle enough for the turtle club? (laughs) Yeah, like, it's it's a terrible movie. Why do I know so much about it? I'm going to be honest, I love that movie as a kid. Like, I know it's fucking terrible, and if I watched it now, I would hate myself for watching it or ever liking it, and that's why I'm never going to watch it again. So what you're saying is, is we have to pick that one they just... No! Fuck! <laughs> is that going to be on on the Oscar punishment punishment <laughs> group message? <laughs> never even seen it, so... I've seen parts of it. Well, it, guys, it's I've not seen the whole zero. thing many times and the deleted scenes. Oh, it's not incredible. a zero on Rotten Tomatoes. It's just a, a one. Two. <laughs> a one. Yeah, I used to like, I watched deleted scenes repeatedly from a movie that has 1% on Rotten Tomatoes. Dude, when I was a kid, I watched the Steve Martin Pink Panther movie on like repeat. Like, kids have garbage taste. Which one? The first or second? The first one, the hamburger. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Which, as a kid, I liked. I'm not gonna, you know. Oh my god, his character's name is Pistachio Disguisey. They weren't even trying. How did they make $43 million on a $16 million budget? How was Master of Disguise success? Like, it made money with a 1% on Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> often regarded as one of the worst movies ever made. How dare they? No, it's terrible. <laughs> it won an award, the Stinky Thinker's Bad Movie Awards winner, most painfully unfunny comedy. <laughs> it's also nominated for Worst Actor, Worst Fake Accent, and Worst Picture. It, it had to have won well, Worst Fake well, Accent. Hold up, hold up. It tied with Kong Pao under the fist. Uh, Kung Kung Pao is not unfunny. Kung Pao is amazing. <laughs> I love Kung Pao. I usually, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I was drunk when I watched it, but it was, it's a funny movie. For Kids' Choice Awards in 2003, it was nominated for Favorite Fart in a Movie. <laughs> You know, Scooby Doo won with Matthew Lillard. <laughs> if you was can't that? win best fart, <laughs> I don't know if your movie's in good shape. Um, Scooby Doo is a masterpiece, okay? Scrappy Doo's arc is one of the greatest. Is the greatest fun. tragedy since Citizen Kane. <laughs> Uh, have either of you read James Gunn's original script for that movie? Yes, I've read some of it. Because I know, because you sent it to me, and yeah. I've read, like, I think half of it. It's amazing. It's... <laughs> I really it's feel so... like he made that script on a troll job, like, making an R-rated Scooby-Doo thinking, like, why not? They'll just reject it, and they literally made it. <laughs> yeah, like, like, I mean, there's the eggplant joke that's holy shit. And there's, like, some genuine jokes about Scooby being an idiot that's, like, really funny, like there was one where like they they, they said that the, the Scooby couldn't 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 do something because he was a dog, and Scooby's like I'm smart and he grabbed like a piece of paper and wrote like two plus two equals six or something like that. <laughs> like like the whole part of the movie is Scooby is an idiot because he he's a dog. Remember, cats are not dogs. <laughs> I have to remember cats. Cat is not a dog. I kind of wish Dana Carvey was in that movie. He's just like the only <laughs> dude who's not in a cap. He's just the cat suit, <laughs> master of disguise style.
the fuck we're talking about? Oh yeah, Wayne's World. <laughs> we went on a long I love tangent. So stupidly off topic. We need to take a U-turn to get back on track. It is interesting with Wayne's World seeing Tia Carey being like live action because I only don't really know her, her voice or Tia Carrere, whatever the, whatever the hell her name is. The the main villain from the Duck Dodgers cartoon <laughs> and Lilo's sister and Lilo and Stitch. Her also singer of of the banger I never even told you from the end credits of Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Oh, that is a banger. <laughs> it's very it, random, but it's good. <laughs> it should not be the end credits of that movie. <laughs> Probably one of the greatest moments of any movie ever is Batman Mask of the Phantasm super operatic score into smooth, sexy sax. sax. <laughs> also, I have to give credit to uh, my man Meatloaf. <laughs> Rest in peace, Meatloaf. Yeah. You were in this movie for all of 30 seconds, but you would never be. Yeah, I was like, I couldn't remember. I'd see like I couldn't remember who that was. I'm like, I know who this is. And it's Meatloaf. What's also interesting with this movie as well is what happened to Penelope Spheris after it. Like, like she really did not have a lot of movies afterwards for for how for like how big this movie was. You you would think that that would make her like an in demand director. And yeah, it's and pretty, it's pretty it shocking. Like the film she made afterwards were the Beverly Hillbillies, the, the, the Little Rascals, which I've seen way too many goddamn times. Mm-hmm. Uh, Black, Black Sheep, Sheep, which is terrible. Hollywood sunk it. It's senseless. Well, the, well, the, well, the Beverly Hillbillies is also a notoriously bad movie. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the Little Rascals is probably terrible, but I loved that as a kid. Yeah, that one I at least made two money. Because I got two pickles. I got two pickles. Yeah, all I ever hear is people love that movie. Well, yeah, because no one's seen it past the age of 10. <laughs> I'm I sure it was right after Wayne World, but then, yeah, eventually, like, had enough, you know, bad ones in a row that her career kind of tanked. Especially in the 90s, it, it did not take much. Mm-hmm. It's not nowadays where the people who keep doing bad movies must have dirt on somebody. <laughs> it, yeah, it does. It, it's not day, the days where Zack Snyder can literally make a movie so bad, an entire studio restructures itself <laughs> and, and, and completely has to like like re, re, redo their entire structure and he still gets $100 million movies. Fun fact, she directed the 2003 Oscars. Hmm. I mean, the, cool, you just kind of point where cameras go. Yeah. <laughs> but they but they always get like, like, get like big people to, to, to direct that because did, did, didn't freaking Soderbergh do it last year? Yeah, that's why it's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> I love Soderbergh, but like, what is he doing? What you want to bet they're just sitting up there in the booth smoking cigars, drinking while they're just like, yeah, make it look good. <laughs> Let's be real. Last year's Oscars wasn't a good directed by Soderbergh. It was directed by Questlove and his <laughs> bizarrely hilarious music cues. Like, I think it was, um, it was when Nomadland won Best Picture. When, like, they were going out on stage, he started playing We Can Build This Room Together by Starship. Yeah, they were very... He's going to stop us now. It was really funny. Yeah, and this song correlation did not work with whatever was going on at the time. <laughs> he, 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 he gave no shits. He was having fun, which is what you should be doing with that, I guess. I'm just looking up all the stuff on the Little Rascals now. I don't even know why. <laughs> I think I think it's because I have to remind myself that, that that movie actually existed because it's it's been so long. 
Dude, the things were a weird movie time. Very weird. <laughs> there was well, a lot of different stuff. And, and I, I will, I do have to contest with you, Alex. You, you said that Wayne's World is how the, the 90s kid memes remember the 90s. I would have to disagree. It, that's Wayne's World is, our, is how our parents remember the, the, the 90s. The 90s kids' memes, let's be real, are made by people who were born like 98. Born yeah, so it's really the early 2000s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's their stuff is like, like, like oh, I'm just a nineties kid. I love SpongeBob. <laughs> he premiered in ninety eight. <laughs> yeah, like ninety nine, even worse. Oh yeah, <laughs> like that's that's an early two thousand show. I'm like, yeah, like, like I I loved I love Dragon Tales and I love Roly Poly Oly SpongeBob and, <laughs> and Fruit by the Foot. <laughs> is that even still a thing? Dude, I think it that? is. I literally yeah. saw like I saw like a billboard for Fruit by the Foot. <laughs> But like recently, I can't remember where I was. I think it was in like Hollywood somewhere. And I was like, that exists <laughs> still <laughs> that not alone making a billboard for it. I didn't. I, I mean, I was saying anything for all time because because fruit gushers and fruit by the foot were like the same company. Oh, yeah. And I remember, yeah, the I never liked the fruit gushers, but I saw like 800 of their ads, which were always like super weird. Yeah, like some acid trip. And honestly, like, like to me, fruit by the foot just looks disgusting <laughs> i kind of liked it but it would get gross like trying to eat it or like stretch it out mm-hmm. and he, just think about that you don't see commercials like that anymore well yeah because we're on a health kick now and half, half the stuff we ate as kids was was, it was just sugar and chemicals <laughs> i mean do, 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 do you guys remember when toy story 2 came out and they had the glow in the dark white chocolate buzz light your candy bars yes <laughs> why why would our parents let us eat anything that glue in the dark <laughs> they let us eat purple ketchup that's also true that's right that's right <laughs> that, that stuff was gross <laughs> or do you guys remember the the cheetos that 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 turned your tongue blue oh that's yeah. right uh, why <laughs> what were we doing <laughs> actually the one thing that i do miss was the nickelodeon and burger king slime time slushy thing oh, that's i don't even remember remember what it, what it tastes like I remember that, that, that I liked it but I was also like a small child I think you would have <laughs> slime sauce too Listen, I've been trying to talk about, talk, talk, talk about the, the, the 90s but I was born in 96 like I remember some of 99 that's about it I was born in 93 so I at least had like 97 <laughs> through 99 yeah, you're the, the authority here I just remember Phantom Menace <laughs> I remember Toy Story 2 and that shit be everywhere. I mean, my, my, my parents, God, were they, oh God, they were younger than me, I think, when Wayne's World came out. Oh, God. Whoa. Like, like they're younger than I am Wait, now. Let me do the math. No, what? okay, no, I'm good. I'm still good. I was thinking, I was doing the math in my head. No, I'm, st- I'm still good for a little bit here. 69, it came out in 92. It's so like, like 23. Oh, that makes me feel old. Hey, sock em boppers. You look up 90s stuff just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> like, sock and boppers. I'm looking up 90s commercials. Where there's sock and boppers, there's moon shoes, kids. The roller pop. skate shoes. No, Heelys were, 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 were to 2000s thing. Okay, yeah. No. I had Twisted. a pair of those. Bop it. Do it. 
Furbies, those uh, weird robot dog things. All right. This is such a weird, such a weird era that, that this movie portrays. The electronic pet things that you had to feed or they'd die. Oh, yeah. Tamagotchis. Yeah. Imagine just the graveyard of Tamagotchis right now. <laughs> it's pretty high when I was a kid, so you can imagine Yeah, that. imagine now they're all fucking dead. We had that, it's because those things were harder to keep alive than actual pets. <laughs> yeah, I know. You had to feed them all the time. Like, it was insane. Half these toys are even like for my time I said Beanie Babies I was there for that yeah I think Winslow has stuff like the Clapper and like arcade games that were even old when like that movie came out but like who went to arcades in the 90s oh that's right that that's when Street Fighter was a thing never mind Duken. yeah I was like the ve- the very end of it oh the 90s <sighs> how we never will forget no matter how hard, how hard we, we try because there will always be some meme <laughs> remember Thomas the Tank Engine <laughs> member member Nick Nickelodeon. Remember Barney? Those kids don't know what good cartoons are. <laughs> Even though half their shit's the shit we grew up with. Yeah, I know. Literally, like... Just dumbed down. Do these people realize that they're still airing the same Spongebob episodes? Like, literally, all of the kids born in the 2000s also watched it. <laughs> Our kids will, will grow up watching the same episodes we watched, which is a terrifying thought to me. Time is a flat circle. Spongebob is eternal. Bob will never die. <laughs> I will say... It is interesting, especially with our obsession with 90s nostalgia, how that kind of has divided the Wayne's World response. I mean, you go on IMDb and a lot of the other like sites, a lot of the negative reviews or even not negative. The ones that are like only slightly positive even say it's because it's dated. It's because the jokes don't always land. It's because it's it's kind of stuck in the, the, the 90s. And I think I'm just more forgiving of that. I think I don't necessarily see that as a, as a detriment to it. Um, but I see where some people would. Yeah, I think at t- at times like it's it feels it has like a distinct feel to it and like it's fun. At other times, yeah, I do think it's a little too dated. But for me, I'm kind of somewhere in between. Like sometimes it helps it a little bit because it's like a picture of that era. But then other times, yeah, the the jokes are just like. Eh. <laughs> in some cases, I think it's comforting, but I also feel like the feel of the movies Universal, kind of like I mentioned earlier, of just mm-hmm. these friends trying to make it big, hanging out, um, making. Like, Killer enjoy. robots, which I'm surprised no one have mentioned. What might be the most infamous scene in the movie, which is the robot arm scene. <laughs> yeah, when Garth just builds a robot for no reason well, and it was, never comes was, there back. Was, there was a subplot that was cut, which was he was building a robot to kill Rob Lowe, <laughs> but, but, think- but it got cut halfway through filming and they just kept that scene and just it thought it was weird. <laughs> yeah, it's honestly really funny that it's just there. <laughs> are you okay change, change with, with are you okay with change Garth we don't like change <laughs> <laughs> and then just smashes the arm because it's going to try and kill Benjamin I, I love crap like that that's like so that that that's just so strange but when you split it it make, kind of makes sense it's like just so like, random I never thought Wayne's World would have David Lynch levels of of weird having to explain stuff but well it's like the T2 cameo it's just like it's out of nowhere but it was funny I mean, to be fair, I mean, if I was a cop, I would love to do shit like that just to fuck with people, (laughs) right? Mm-hmm. Have you seen this boy? Just scare the crap out of someone. And that and that cameo works because they got Robert Patrick to do it, which makes it kind of timeless. If it was just some mm-hmm. random dude who kind of looked like Robert Patrick. No, the fact that right, they got like him it, is makes it even better. Mm-hmm. 
Well, guys, this has been fun, but we're running out of time. So let's do some final thoughts on Wayne's World. Much as I don't want to hear the final thoughts from you guys, uh, <laughs> um, we can do final thoughts. I guess since since I since I picked it, I'll start. Um, and you know. I'll end because because I'll I'll, I'll I'll end positively. <laughs> <laughs> so whoever wants to go first can go first. Uh, yeah, I mean it's a, it's a pretty decent movie. You know, it's fun. It's very funny at, at certain points. I I enjoyed it more than that makes it sound. <laughs> really, like I think the more I've sat on it, the more like I've thought about the bits I really enjoyed. Um, to me, not all the jokes fit, and like some stretches kind of go on for too long. But when the bits do hit, they're really funny, and it does have a very energetic kind of genuine spirit to it. So I certainly see how people like it a lot more than me, but overall I did enjoy it. Score. <laughs> um, we do this every week, Alex. Um, I think I'm willing to go. Th- I think. I think. <laughs> I think I'm willing to go three and a half, maybe. I'll accept it. That's essentially what I gave it to. It was about three and a half. I agree yeah, with I you. Yeah, I was like, on three for a while, but yeah, I think I'm... You know, I'm kind of surprised because I, I was getting ready for, 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 for my favorite, favorite pastime, which was bullying Justin to increase the score of a movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I enjoyed the movie. I'm a little disappointed. I I, I thought it would have worked more for me, but I guess I don't know why. It just just didn't hit me right. I don't know. But Could, there, there are bits that are really fun and I laughed and there were other bits where it was kind of like okay would you guys maybe argue that the movie was possibly a little overhyped yes probably yeah <laughs> I, I, I feel think this... that definitely I, I i was expecting like a like an all-time banger a little bit <laughs> <laughs> I, I probably because i feel this exact same way about blues brothers interesting mm. yeah, that that that's a and that, that's another bold statement to say too yeah that one was hyped up for me and i finally watched it and it just it just didn't live up to the hype for me i mean it was a lot of fun i enjoyed enjoyed it but it was just like i'm not seeing what you guys are seeing or that's why i always like whenever someone hypes up something it's like okay i gotta at least wait forget about it and then all of a sudden find it at my own time because if i watch it and it's not how well, <laughs> live up then everyone's mad at me because it's like well you guys gave me higher expectations than i than you guys had when you went into it i guess for me i love this movie i've always loved this movie i got it for christmas i think for, for my grandma when i was a kid and i when we watched it with the dv which, which is amazing dv DVD, by the way, uh, the, the menu is the is a guide for a fictional TV service, and it actually has <laughs> we, we, can, we can click on other channels, and, and it plays clips from like the Brady Bunch and stuff. It's an it's a it's a fantastic like old old school mid two thousands DVD with it with put a lot of creativity into the menus. Um, but I love this movie. I think it captures the spirit of a generation. I think it, I think that makes it universal. I love the characters. I love the jokes. I don't think all of it has aged super great. Like I said, there were, there were some specific moments that's like, oh, geez, that's a little dated, I guess. <laughs> I guess I guess it's all more to, to, to say, but I still I still laughed my ass off. I actually shot I, I actually lowered my score this from four and a half to four because of the dated stuff. But that said, it's one of the highest fours I could ever give. Um, I still love the movie. I will still always love the movie and, and, and will always spread spread the 
the word of it just because I I quote it so much just naturally um, it, a lot of the scenes live rent free in my head for a long time after every time I watch it um, I I think it's one of my probably all time favorite comedies at least just just from from a pure makes me laugh standard mm. and because and that, 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 that to me is the most important thing with the comedy is just making me laugh and it makes me laugh quite a bit so for that I give it four stars out of five which sounds lower than I think I I truly feel inside but that happens sometimes right like like films are yeah, higher so, not all fours are, are created equal yeah exactly it's like not all fives are created be, equal yeah because there are some fours that are super high like Wayne's World Ticker Taylor Soldier Spy that I, I can't give more than the, the four but I, I love as fours if but Batman's you know not at least a four I'm gonna be upset <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's being hyped up and that's and, and you said the, the Batman right yeah yeah because that, that's next week's episode the, this episode will come out after Batman has has released but because of how we re- record and do things we'll have to do it after like long after Batman but you know what give people time to see it so 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 we can do spoilers without any real repercussion and then after that Alex you have your pick do you want to tell everyone what you what, what your choice for us to watch well in the mood of De Palma movies and also I guess really cult movies because this is one that you know has a big following and at the time wasn't super well received but kind of combining some themes here we are doing the classic 1980s crime film Scarface by Brian De Palma mm-hmm. so we, 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 which I don't we, think we, either we, of you have seen is that is I this have. true I, I have not seen it. I tried to watch it but it was on cable and that's oh. not a way to watch it so <laughs> <laughs> like after yeah. the first scene so I was excited. like after the first well, scene I was like okay I can't watch it this way it depends did they bleep it cut the audio or change the words bleeped it that's better than than some but they also kind of that's still a lot they blurred all the blood and shit so i was like yep gotta watch this some other way it's it's not like watching tropic thunder on fx when they change the words and tom cruise is like hey red dragon fart face punch your own face (laughs) which always is almost funnier than the unedited version of that movie <laughs> that's one anyway, thing about R-rated movies is finding them on on cable and they they have the change lines. <laughs> it's always ridiculously funny. Yeah, it's almost worth watching even though it's terrible. But that's our thoughts on Wayne's World. Let us know what you think in the comments. Don't forget to like and subscribe and follow us on social media for for more crazy, weird rants and arguments like this. Uh, next week's Batman. We hope, hope you guys tune in. I think that's probably going to be one a big episode for us because I'm sure we'll have tons of thoughts on on the movie. Hopefully they're positive. <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see. But thanks so much for listening. This is David Yanish for Alex and Justin. Thank you so much for watching this episode of Idiot Plot. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to Idiot Plot. You can find us on Spotify, Anchor FM, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe and hit the bell to get a notification every time we drop a new episode. Also, follow us on Facebook and Letterboxd. The links are in the description.